doctors don't have a clear understanding of it. It started opening up my mind to like, how does the human body work? This is a real thing that really affects people. This is a major pain. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Chris Stegas. Chris is a spinal cord injury survivor, and he'll be sharing his story with us today. Chris is an awesome guy with a really fantastic perspective, and he's a real joy to talk to. He's actually impacted my life personally as the inventor of the Handicup, which is a wheelchair-friendly cup holder that I use and I love. Chris not only runs a business, but he does a lot of awesome advocacy work, and I'm really excited and honored to be able to uh, highlight his story and also, you know, highlight his business because I love what he's doing. His story is unlike anything we've covered on the show so far. We haven't talked to anyone who has experienced an injury that changed the course of their life in a moment. And it was so interesting to hear about his perspective shift from before and after his injury. I was completely riveted to this story as Chris was telling me what he'd been through. And, you know, once again, I'm just thrilled to have recorded it and to be able to share it because I think what he talks about is so important. The perspective and the, um, the learned experience that he has is so valuable. And to be able to share that is a real gift. So thank you so much to Chris for coming on the show and sharing a piece of your story with us. A couple of quick announcements before we get into the episode today. Chris has set up a discount code for our listeners. So if you want to get a handy cup for yourself, just head to handycup.com, handy spelled H-A-N-D-I, and put in the discount code MAJORPAIN15, and you'll get 15% off of a handy cup. And Chris will tell you more about that when we get into our conversation, but I'm really excited about it. And if you need a drink holder for your wheelchair, this is the one. It installs by sliding under the seat. So as long as you have a detachable seat on your wheelchair, this handy cup will work for you. And like I said, I'm really excited to support Chris and his business. And I'm really also very excited that he set up this discount code so that if anyone listens to this show wants to pick up a handy cup, you can get 15% off. And as much as I'm excited to support Handicup on this podcast, I also am very hopeful that you will support this podcast itself by heading over to patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. I was extra, extra grateful for our Patreon community this week because I had an expense come up that I was able to afford for the podcast because of the money coming in through Patreon. We're right around $70 right now per month, which as someone who has no income, that's huge and it is so greatly appreciated. So that expense this week is actually another really exciting announcement that I have, which is that Major Pain is now on Spotify. And this is a first for me. I've never had a podcast on Spotify before. In order to get the podcast to show up on Spotify, I had to upgrade my my FTP space where I host the podcast. I had to pay for a security certificate, which is a yearly cost. But because of the support of our Patreon community, I was able to afford it with no problem and got the podcast up on Spotify. If you're coming in new from Spotify, if you if this is the first new episode you're listening to, welcome. We're very excited to have you here. We're all living our lives under the control of algorithms these days. <laughs> and I this is a new algorithm for me. I don't know how it works, but I think that the more people that listen, the more likely it will be that Spotify will recommend this program to other people. So that's it. Let's try it out. Let's all listen on Spotify and see how it goes. And speaking of the algorithms, I will remind you that it is very, very helpful to leave positive ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, just leaving a rating and review on that platform is very helpful. 
Thanks again to our Patreon community. I appreciate you all so much. If you'd like to support this show financially, you can do so on Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast, and you can support this show for as little as $2 per month. Extra special thank you to our Patreon producers, Steve Cavanaugh and Chris Fowler, who are are lifting a majority of the weight of keeping this podcast going financially, and I appreciate it so much. And lastly, if you'd like to interact with this show on social media, check us out on TikTok and Instagram at Major Pain Podcast, and you can send your thoughts, questions, or anything you want to share with the rest of the listeners to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. All right, well, let's get into our absolutely fantastic conversation with Chris Stegius about his spinal cord injury. Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today. You're someone else I connected to through TikTok. And it's always so fun to like get to see people and see what they do, but then actually get to meet them and you know talk to them in real time. So it's a pleasure to meet you today, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, and it's nice meeting you too. Awesome. So Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name is Chris Stegas, and I live in Toronto, Canada. I'm a five-year, six-year now spinal cord injury survivor. Prior to that, I was a commercial industrial electrician. And uh, and uh, after my accident, I found uh, I needed to find different ways to reintegrate myself into life, into my community. And uh, I created uh, an accessibility product and uh, also got into a little bit of uh, advocacy and a little bit of consulting for accessibility yeah awesome i saw on your website that you're the patty dawson activist of the year for 2020 what does that mean uh so that means that uh, through spinal cord injury of ontario that they spent the most amount of time answering my questions and uh <laughs> trying to get things done and move the needle in terms of uh, uh, getting things done for spinal cord injury needs, like uh, attending care, bringing awareness, or getting on TV and speaking about, those were the early days of COVID. So mm -hmm. I was on TV uh, trying to advocate for people with disabilities and have COVID testing uh, come to them where people couldn't travel and they couldn't go to the test centers. Awesome. And, uh, and they, they said that I was the most active advocate that they had and uh at the time i'm like i've only been injured for five years and you guys got people injured for 25 and you picked me i'm <laughs> like there's so much more work to do we gotta yeah. like raise the bar so that's that's where that all came from yeah totally I'm, I'm really curious to hear more about your story so let's get into it chris what is your major pain my major pain is my spinal cord injury mm -hmm. and uh some of the things that go with it. And as I was thinking about that, it's also kind of a yin and yang because it's also, I think in some ways, maybe the best part about me as well, hmm. but uh, they sort of go together and they're completely separate of each other. Without, uh, without my spinal cord injury, I wouldn't have been able to become the Patty Dawson hmm. activist of the year and do all those things and help uh, so many other people, whereas my, my previous life, uh, maybe I wasn't doing, uh, enough for the people around me. I, I don't know. It's kind of, 
looking back and reflecting and trying to make sense of it all. But um, definitely there's a lot of pain with the spinal cord injury. Yeah. N neurological pain, pain in memories, pain in uh, not being able to do the things that I want to do when I want to do them. Mm, absolutely. And you have helped a lot of people. You've, you've helped me. You're the inventor of the handicap. And I, so when I first started using a wheelchair, one of the biggest problems, like, where do I put my drink? <laughs> like, yeah. The first time, you know, when I went out to, uh, I was in Tahoe and I went to a casino in my wheelchair and I was like, what do I do with a drink? I have to hand it to someone else every time I want to go from like one like machine at the casino to another. So I started doing some research about what drink holders were out there. And at that exact moment, um, you interacted with my content on TikTok and I like went over to your page. I'm like, this is it. This is what I need. It's the perfect, <laughs> like, um, it, it's the perfect simple invention for people in wheelchairs to carry their drink around. It's really fantastic. So I got one and uh, it was a gift from my mom for my birthday. And I love it. I use it all the time. And, you know, I'm sure you hear this all the time because it's such a simple invention, but it's really perfect. It's exactly what, uh, what I needed. I mean, before we get more into your story, because now I'm all excited about the handicap, can you tell us a little bit about the handicap itself and what it is and how it works? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I had a problem with not also being able to put a, a drink on my chair. All the other cup holders were on the outside perimeter mm. of the chair. And uh, I'd lose my drink. Like the second I left my front door, boom, it clipped uh, the door frame and I'd lose my coffee or I'd lose my beer. or <laughs> and, and that starts getting annoying after like the 20th time. Yeah. So I was like, I need my drink holder right in front of me somewhere and um, like not in between like my thighs but like sort of mounted in front of me where it won't get knocked off and i sort of just made one for i i've got two screws a cup holder and a piece of plastic fired them into and never thought anything above it about it and everywhere i went people were like what is that where did you get that what is that <laughs> and then so i started making a few for people and then i was like well wait a minute maybe there's something here yeah. So uh, here we are three years later with five colors. And uh, <laughs> and in, I didn't even have, before my accident, I didn't even own a computer, if you can imagine. Really? And now, and now I have like six social media accounts. And uh, <laughs> so it's been a real, a real change from before. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's basically just like a cup holder with a long plastic arm and it slides under your wheelchair cushion. So it can work with any wheelchair as long as you have a cushion. You know, my first wheelchair uh, was just like really, really basic. But even that, I could have just sat on that plastic lip and held it in place. Um, so, you know, it, it's really, it just slides right in place. And then you pop a drink in, you're good to go. All the other ones that I saw, like you had to screw in place. And like you said, they were on the outside of the wheelchair instead of wherever you needed it. Like right in front of me is the perfect spot. Um, so it's so like simple you know some people always talk about sometimes like you really have to work at things and you have to do like the hardest version of something for it to be worthwhile but in my experience the opposite is often true like when something is the simplest and the most intuitive it can often be the most um impactful yeah well i designed it because uh to, it's a cup with a lever yeah exactly it slides underneath the cushion of a power chair a manual chair even walkers have cushions and it slides mm. underneath them will stay in place. <clears throat> and uh, the reaction I get from a lot of like 
ambulatory people or others, when they look at it, they're like, that's it. Nobody else has invented this before. Exactly. <laughs> no, nobody's thought of this. I'm like, no, I don't know. Nobody's thought of it. I, I don't know what to tell you, but yeah. there's nothing out there like that. So yeah, totally. I didn't, I didn't set out to be like, I'm going in the wheelchair cup holder business. It just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just something that that came to be so yeah well like i said i own one i'm really excited to support your product and you told me right before we started recording that you actually set up a discount code for our listeners yeah i set up a discount code for 15 percent off uh it's major pain 15 nice. all capital letters and uh, you can just go to handicup.com and at checkout punch in major pain 15 and get 15 percent off there's free delivery to Canada and the U.S. Wow! And uh, that's yeah, we'll, get, we'll have it delivered to you within uh, within a week. Awesome! And I know that there are wheelchair listeners that wheelchair users that listen to this show. And like I said, I own one. I highly recommend it. It's a high quality product. This was not planned to be a sponsored podcast, but uh, you know, it's not a sponsored podcast. You know, th there's no kickback to the show or anything. It's just the listeners. You know. I want you guys to have one and I love the fact that you got a discount for them. I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Yeah. You're um, welcome. Okay. So let's get back into your story. So as you said, your major pain, spinal cord injury. Um, how old were you when that happened? Uh, I was in my uh, early, late thirties, early forties. Yeah. Okay. Late thirties. Late thirties. Uh, yeah. And what was the injury itself? I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and uh i guess it was dark i didn't turn the lights on i remember putting my hand up to uh balance on the shower curtain rod and with the other hand i pulled down my track pants to take a leak mm -hmm. and i i missed the shower curtain rod and i fell backwards into the bathtub wow and uh, i lived by myself so i was there for about uh, 15 hours Oh my until God. Un until they found me the next morning well the night before i was with my mother and then the next morning work called my cell phone and uh, my mother answered and work said hey he never showed up for work and my mother was like he forgot his phone here last night i'll go uh check on him so she got a concierge to open my door i had the uh the chain on the door and i heard my mother's voice and uh, I called for help twice. And when my mother uh, asked the concierge to open the door, he said, we're going to have to call police. I can't just, and my mother's like, I've never heard my son call for help, not, let alone twice. And she kicked the chain off the door and, uh, and rescued me and called uh, paramedics. Wow. I can't imagine. I mean, your whole life just in the snap of a finger just completely changes and over just like being in a dark room you know i can't even imagine that feeling what's going through your head as you're as you're like on on the ground for 15 hours waiting for help yeah i was actually i fell into the tub so i was in the tub in the tub okay in the tub i couldn't figure out why i couldn't move my hands or my feet um i i uh i was just confused that spinal cord injury never crossed my mind I was like, uh, somebody's going to find me and take me to a doctor. They'll fix me up. I'll be fine. This is nothing. And uh, I never for a second thought that I was going to die. But uh, between the time I heard my mother's voice and when she got me, I uh, 
the whole time I was practicing some neck exercises that I learned in high school in wrestling to keep my airways open. Mm-hmm. And when I heard her voice, I stopped doing, I stopped extending my airway. And uh, I guess I fainted. My eyes rolled back, my lips turned blue. And uh, I was, I was that close until she revived me. Wow. That, I mean, that's incredible. I, I can't imagine that. That's so, you know, abrupt. So, okay. Yeah, so that's this, the word. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, okay. This injury happens and then you finally, after 15 hours, get taken to the hospital. And what does that process look like? I mean, you must, someone must have examined you and informed you that you've had a spinal cord injury. What, tell me, talk me through that process. Yeah, they didn't tell me much at the time. They told me that I had uh, a spinal cord injury and I was going to go for emergency decompression surgery. And uh, I was just like, what is that? They're like, we're going to cut your vertebrae so your, your spine can uh, swell so that the injury doesn't continue traveling up. And uh, I was like, well, as long as you're in there, can you add a couple more vertebrae and give me a couple of inches and <laughs> in, in height? And the doctor was like stonewalled. He didn't even like crack a smile or anything. Oh, man. So I didn't realize even then how close to death I was or how dangerous of a surgery I was going into. Yeah. I don't really know much at all about spinal cord injuries. What I mean, I know you're not a physician. You're, you know just someone who's lived through it. But what can you tell me about the, the medical side of this? Like when you have an injury like that, what are the dangers? If you, you said it was traveling up your spine, what, is, what can happen there? Yeah, so when, uh, when my, I guess when I fell backwards, my two vertebrae, one went left, one went right, and it bruised my uh, spinal cord. And what happens is as it bruises or it tries to clot, uh, it wants to move outward, but it can't because of the it's within the vertebrae so that bruising and that clotting starts to move up mm. and as it moves up uh originally let's just say for argument's sake maybe you can't move your legs and as that blood clot or that swelling not clot the swelling moves up it starts affecting your arms and then from your arms it starts affecting your fingers and from there it starts affecting your breathing you're swallowing and the higher up that swelling travels then it'll eventually affect uh your your breathing completely and your brain function and uh, until until you're not alive anymore wow. so that and, and the way to release that pressure and that swelling is to cut a piece out of your vertebrae to allow the swelling to go outwards per se instead of up your spinal cord so that's the more I lay there, the worse my injury was getting, and my wow. organs were sh- starting to shut down. Wow. So if, if, if your mom had not come to check on you, you would have just died? I would have died. Wow. Yeah. I mean, when you start to process through that after the fact, how did that feel? Yeah, if I'm being completely, I mean, I, I don't even know if I sat there and I processed that because it's sort of such a dark place hmm. to be. And it's really easy to get into, into a sinkhole with that, those kinds of feelings and for thoughts. Sure, for sure. So the more that I started seeing other people with injuries and disabilities, the more I realized how lucky I was to be alive 
Hmm. And I sort of just, um, I tried to focus on being grateful and just being uh, grateful and, and how lucky I was and thankful for my mom and for my family and just sort of tried to stay in that space. And yeah. that seemed to make things a little easier rather than dwelling on how close I came yeah. to death. I love that. That's the right attitude. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know then how important it was to be in that space. But looking back for, you know, whatever reason, God, uh, I was able to stay in that light and, and be in that space. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm grateful for that too. Absolutely. What was your recovery from the surgery like? Yeah, that was, uh, that was rough too. So I spent about four months in ICU on a ventilator. They said that I would never uh, speak again, that I'd be on, uh, on a ventilator. They said that I wouldn't move my arms. I'd be on a, uh, yeah, the breathing machine. So I beat those odds. I mean, uh, that I'd never eat solid foods. And now I'm like woofing down burgers and pizza and uh, <laughs> beers with my friends. And yeah. uh, I got my voice back. Uh, yeah. Was there a period of time where you couldn't speak? Yeah. There was a, I had to go to a speech pathologist and learn how to speak again. I had to take um, uh, like a swallow therapy where they x-ray me and watch me. They give me different things to eat because my injury affected the way that my esophagus works. It doesn't function a hundred percent. So those are all things that I had to learn again. And, uh, and even breathing, they take me off the breathing machine. It started for five minutes, the next day, 10 minutes, the next day, 15, half an hour, an hour. And that's called the wean machine. And they slowly weaned me off the, uh, the trach that was breathing for me. So that took about a month, a month and a half. They, they, they were ready to give up on me. And uh, thankfully I had my family and they're like, no, give them one more day. Let them try it again. Let them try it again. And I finally uh, pulled out and, uh, and got off the, uh, the ventilator. I had to learn how to cough again, all, all that stuff. Wow. How did you, I mean, where did you find the strength to push through that? This sounds so, terrifying you know and like here you are and we're, we're chatting and you know i it's almost unbelievable that you went from what you're describing to where you are now i mean that's incredible how it sounds like you've done some you know i call it mental gymnastics where you kind of find a um like a mental pathway that works to get you through what's happening because you don't you don't have any control over what's happening you just only have control over how you respond to it so where did the where did the strength to push through that time after your surgery come from? What helped you get through that? Most of it was uh was fear of uh of not being able to pull through and I was uh fear of being remembered for only my injury, fear of like uh being in and staying in that dark place. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know, like, uh, most of it was just driven from fear of being remembered only from my accident. I was determined not to let that happen. That wasn't going to be my legacy. And some of it without sounding too corny, my background is Greek. So I have an ancestry of like 
I'm, my mother's from Sparta. So my, my ancestry is Spartan warriors. And I believe <laughs> they just don't know any different. They just march on and march on and like never give up, never retreat I and just it. keep pushing every day forward, every day forward. Yeah. My ancestry is, is not Greek, but I've watched a lot of Star Trek. So <laughs> I'm really into Klingons. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. I had uh, I had testicular cancer when I was 30 and I got a tattoo of the word 30 in Klingon on my arm. I wanted like a little infusion of that warrior spirit. Um Yeah. yeah I so I I I love that. I relate to that. That's really cool. Um how long did that period take where you were just 100% focused on, you know, uh learning things again, rebuilding and getting back to um, a place close to where you are now. How long was that period? Yeah. So I did about four months in ICU, four months as a inpatient. And then uh, I spent a lot of time in the hospital. Uh, after that, I was in rehab for about another four months. So that's about a year. And then from there, I went into um, transitional housing where they taught me how to get back on public transportation, how to go to the bank, how to go to the grocery store, how to ask for help. Um, so I was about a year and a half and I finally found an apartment in an assisted living building. I'll explain what that is in a second. Yeah. And the first day I got into my new apartment where I was back into the community and they were like, all right, we'll see you later. And they closed the door. And I all uh, was four white walls and my TV. And I was like, uh, what are you going to do, Chris? <laughs> Sit in there and like watch YouTube and Netflix. And that's going to be your life. And then that, that was like, no, this is, this is not what I'm doing. And, and everything sort of started from that moment. Wow. Yeah. I mean... So, okay, you like you have this life, and then you have this injury, and then o over a year later, you go back to a new life, and that sounds so overwhelming. I mean, yeah, like four white walls. What do, what do I do with my life? <laughs> yeah, I, well, I also, I had like, as we call, quote unquote, baggage from pre-injury, mm. and I realized that day when when the door closed that i all that stuff didn't mean anything it was gone it just disappeared yeah and i had this unique opportunity to sort of start a brand new life and kind of do anything that i wanted to do hmm. and i was like okay well what do you want to do and that's you know let's get a computer let's go online let's see what's happening out there and i started learning about things to help me in my life and that started with uh smart devices so i got like a smart uh switch for my lamp so i can turn up and then and then that turned into the thermostat and that turned into more lights and that turned into my coffee maker and from there i started thinking well i should make everything voice controlled so that mm. I, I i got all that to work and from there because of my electrical background i'm like can i create uh, a voice controlled uh smart door opener so i uh, drew something up on the computer and called my friends who are electricians i'm like get this 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 and this and come over <laughs> and uh i'm like all right 
put this here, connect this there, throw it in the door and let's see if it works. And, and it worked. And then I had cool. a, I had a smart voice activate. So it's just from having time and recognizing that I had an opportunity at a new start with experience. Yeah. Like how many people get that? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, well, it also takes a lot of wisdom to recognize that opportunity and it takes a lot of, um, I don't even know what the word is. It's not quite, I mean, self-control, I guess, or um, presence of mind to recognize it's like it, you recognize like this darkness that you could fall into, but you don't, you keep yourself out of it. And you, it sounds like you fill your time with, you know, you started filling your time with worthwhile things, things that were making a real difference and um, positivity. Um, I mean, human beings are adaptable and you went through one of the most traumatic things that a human could go through. And you came out on the other side and started filling it with positivity. And that's just so remarkable. I mean, it's really impressive. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm so excited to share this story. This is an incredible story, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank you. And, uh, I said this to, to somebody yesterday and, uh, I said it for the first time and since my injury, but there's so much fear from my past of like being in a dark place and me being in a dark place is really self-destructive with uh, whether it's alcohol abuse or like street drug abuse. It, it's a really scary, terrible place to be. And the pushback is like all this anger not to be in that place again and this real fear. So let's change it and let's put harness all that energy into, into something good and making a difference and being busy. Mm. Cause um, I really didn't want to live my life in that, in that space. Yeah, absolutely. It could easily, easily go down that road. Yeah. For anyone, you know, and yeah, yeah. It sounds like you gained a new perspective that helped you to learn how to be a happier person. Uh, that and, uh, and, and being, uh, having gratitude and being grateful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You yeah. know, because I was so close to that. That's the lesson that I learned is like, just be thankful for what you have. It sounds cliche and whatever. And, but it's, it's, true there's i can't put it any simpler yeah absolutely you know sometimes when you have to work within limitations you are forced to be more creative you know like I, as a i make a lot of you know like music and youtube videos and silly things and i find that when i have infinite options it's really hard to do something cohesive but when you put limitations on yourself um, then it's a little bit easier to, to see a finished product and to kind of imagine what could be within those limitations and do something really creative and like really have a complete vision. Um, so yeah, I mean, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. It's such a, uh, really, really valuable perspective. Um, so what was it like for your social relationships for friends and family? You know, you went through this huge change. How did it change your relationships at all? Um, definitely closer with my family. They 
while I was in ICU, never left my side. They would do rotations 24 hours around the clock. Uh, my mother would be there. My father would be there. My sister, my brother, my sister-in-law, they'd all switch out and take shifts. And um, friends, that's, that's a tough one. I thought I had a lot of friends before my accident. And I would say easily three quarters of them I never heard from. They mm. slipped away, never called me. And at the time, that was really hard to come to terms with because I was like, no, those are my friends. Those are my boys. And, and then you find out the harsh reality that they're not. Yeah. And, uh, but with that group segment of people out of my life, it made room for a whole bunch of new people to come into my life that helped me like with my product and with my advocacy, man, I didn't do any of that stuff alone. I had so much help, so many people around me, rooting for me, supporting me, um, guiding me, phone calls, support, you name it. And those people just did it out of the kindness of their heart. And I was like, wow, this guy's almost a perfect stranger. And he just like helped me do this and helped me do that. So again, comes back to being grateful and gratitude and yeah. appreciating what you do have and the help that you do have. Totally. And so, somehow doors open, things start happening when you're, when you're in that space and you're not focused on, on negativity. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the energy, energy of the universe starts to line up in your direction when you approach the universe that way. Yeah. You start meeting people that are going the same way, such as yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I, I have friends all over the digital world that I never would have, would have had. Right. So now that that's you and uh i'm super grateful for that yeah me uh, too absolutely connect connection so you, you sort of start lining up with people that are going your way yeah. and things become easier you build a community and all of a sudden we become stronger and the new people coming on board that have disabilities they have a place to turn to and, mm -hmm. and uh, we know what they're going through we can bring them along yeah love it absolutely yeah and this is a consistent theme that i've heard from several people that you know um, having some sort of massive health shift, friends just disappear. And, and it, it really hurts. I've experienced some of this as well, yeah. where, you know, you, it's like people are afraid of you all of a sudden. It's like you represent yeah. their fear of their bodies not working perfectly the rest of their lives. And they don't want to, and they don't want to be around you anymore. And I, I, felt, yeah. I felt that too. And it really, it really hurts because you have Stings. to like, you have to go back and think through your friendship and your relationship and be like, yeah. was this real? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what I mean. That's, that's, and that's just one aspect that you're looking back into. Imagine having to live through that with your injury, with yeah. whatever you're going, and then things start piling on and then you can't see anything positive yeah. and that starts to consume you. Right. So that's, that's just one aspect of it. And you see how much that stings, right? Absolutely. Yeah. What are your coping mechanisms and uh, to get through? I mean, you had to get through so much all in this like tight period of time post-injury. What, what did you lean on in that time? Uh, I, I leaned on, uh, well, family, a few friends that I did have, but for the most part was, um, just staying busy you know i uh 
I was a loosey goosey type of person before I did everything on the fly. And now I put everything in a schedule and uh, I tried to fill my schedule all day. So I didn't have to think of things and uh, just try and be involved in my work and in learning, reading, listening to podcasts. Uh, I think I, wa- I finished YouTube in um, my second year of my injury. <laughs> you watched and every then, video on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, I finished YouTube, right? So, and uh, <laughs> yeah, just just uh, just immerse myself in uh, in work or, or being busy. Yeah, being in the moment versus in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Tell me- boredom is uh boredom uh-huh. is a, uh, is a real devil. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. Idleness can be the enemy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Tell me more about your, you, you said you had more to say about the assisted living situation. So assisted living is, uh, I live in a building that, uh, uh, the government, uh, subsidizes the rent. And, uh, so it's 25, percent of the building are war vets Hmm. 25% of the building are um, for refugees 25% of the building is uh, women in crisis and 25% of the building is people with disabilities so the people with disabilities there is an office downstairs where there's PSWs personal support workers and uh, I have bookings throughout the day so like my booking is like at 7 to 10 and then I have a lunch booking. I have a snack booking at three, uh, a dinner booking at six, uh, another snack booking at eight, and then a nighttime booking. So they come up, they transfer me out of bed. They help me take a shower, get dressed, get me set up in my chair, and then they leave. And then they'll come back for lunch. They'll come back for dinner. And that's kind of, uh, it's called independent living, where mm-hmm. you're not in a retirement home. You're not in a long-term care home. It's my place, my house. And they sort of just come in and help me throughout the day when I need help. And I can go out, stay out as long as I want, come home as late as I want, do what I want. Yeah. And uh, independent living or assisted living. Wow. That's super cool. I, I, I love that. I mean, go Canada. That sounds like an amazing program. (laughs) Yeah. That's uh I mean, there's pros and cons with our health care system here. And uh, I, I don't know if you guys have anything like that in the U.S. I don't know but, either. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. Well, I know you have PSWs. You have personal support workers that, that come in and out. Yeah. Or I have friends in Miami that, that um, have services like that. But um, the training sometimes and the quality when you have different people coming in and out can be frustrating and mm-hmm. problematic. So the advantage of them having an office downstairs is the, at least they're the same people every day. So they get to know your routine. The disadvantage is if there's friction between you, then you're kind of married to them. And that's <laughs> her- horrific uh, to be in, right? Because <laughs> you can't divorce them. You can't walk away from them, yeah. roll away from them, whatever you want to call it. Because <laughs> uh, they work there. Yeah, so. totally. Yeah, I don't know what we have here. I mean, I've applied to disability and been denied like you know i think the number is like 80 percent or something of people who apply for disability in the states are denied the first time um so i don't know what we have because it's like out of reach for me you know i can't 
access any of the the programs that I would want to use. Like if I can get on disability there, you know, there are like home healthcare workers that can pop in and help out and stuff. And there might be programs like what you're talking about. I, I'm very uninformed about it because I'm still in the process of like fighting with them to even be allowed in the club, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you have to be tenacious and stay on them and call them and write emails and ask questions and kick it up to the next supervisor, the mm. next manager and stay on them. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's how I've gotten a lot of the support stuff. I think is because uh, I just call and I call and I leave messages. I write letters and I go there and I speak to people in the office. And they're like, Oh no, not this guy. And they're like, just <laughs> sign him up, sign him up. Yeah. They're going to sign you up just to get you to stop calling. Excuse me. Yeah. So, <laughs> But it's good because then once I, once one gets through, then I'm like, hey, this is what you need to do. This is the person that did it for me and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully, you know, bring some more people, bring, like try and uh, give back or try and uh, move it along, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. Once you found a door that does open. You're like, hey, all my friends, quick, sneak through this door. <laughs> I'm that guy. I'm yeah, that guy. I love that. That's awesome. So so what was it like to re-enter society? Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was a point where I didn't even want to look at people. I looked at the floor a lot. And uh, there was a lot of embarrassment. I remember being with my mom. One day and she's like, Hey, that person said hi to you. Why don't you say I'm like, I don't want to say hi to nobody. Mm. Like you just and now when I see other people that are newly injured and they're looking down, you have to kind of recognize that that's also a process. And slowly, uh, at least with me, I had a lot of family, a lot of therapists, physio, occupational, um, psychological therapist that put a lot of work into me to help build me back, but definitely uh, a lot of work trying to reintegrate yourself back into the community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my experience navigating the world in a wheelchair, it's been shocking to me the difference in how people treat me. Is that something you felt as well? I mean, I still feel that, and uh, I feel that most people want to do good and they don't, they're more afraid of doing the wrong thing. Right. And they end up doing the wrong thing. Right. Yep. But, it, but it's not, but it's not malicious. Yeah. And you have to give people that space because I didn't know anything about wheelchairs before. I didn't even, you know, consider it. So who am I to sit there? And like, even with my friends, you know, I, my hands, I have a limited hand function. You can see that I use a stylus to control my iPad mm -hmm. and I use a similar cuff for feeding. Uh, I put a fork in it and then I could feed myself. Mm -hmm. So I had to teach my friends and how, what I need to be able to go out with them. And once you show people and, and sort of teach them what, what, like what is uh, appropriate, mm -hmm. Then, then they're good. Then they're fine, and it's not awkward anymore. And everybody's 
you know, sort of even forgets that you're in the, you, you use the chair and, and you use a device. So I, yeah, as awkward as people are sometimes, I don't think they're malicious. They're I just, totally agree. They, yeah. They're afraid to do the wrong thing and they do the wrong thing. Exactly. Yeah. Or I, say the wrong thing. Yeah. I think that's a huge, a huge part of it. I think you're totally right. And I also feel like some people feel this, like, um, that they're required to do something when they're not, you know, like, like I was just crossing the street in my wheelchair and this guy ran up to me and he seemed like super annoyed. He's like, do you need me to help you push you across the street? <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, who are you? Go away. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. Uh, that, uh, I mean, I, uh, I, I'm stopped. Sometimes I have my phone mounted to my armrest and, uh, and I'm looking down, punching something into my phone and people are stopping there. Are you okay? Do you need some help? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm just stopped for two seconds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm fine. But then, you know, I, I have to, I try and, and reframe it for them. And, but I'm like, you know, no, I'm fine. But thank you so much for asking because that person may see another person in a wheelchair one day. And if I rub them off the wrong way, they might be like, maybe this person's going to be like that like last guy and miserable. So I'm not asking. Yeah. But that other person genuinely needs help. Yeah. So, so I tried to leave them with no, I'm okay. Thank you. And uh, thanks for asking. Cause really it's nice. They just don't know how to, you know? Yeah. I, it's, this is a really <laughs> tricky area, you know, like how, this is something that I've thought about a lot. I even made a TikTok about this because, you know, being approached and asked if I need help when I'm doing normal everyday things feels very diminishing to me. And I'm not wild about that feeling, you know. Um, but uh, but when someone really does need help, it is, of course, you should offer help, you know. But I think for a lot of people who are able-bodied, they can't tell the difference. You know, and they see someone in a wheelchair and they're like, that person needs help just automatically. You know, it's like a switch goes off and they're like, that person, you know, needs something right now. Even though you're just like pausing to look at your phone for a second, you don't need help with that, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah but it's tricky. How do you, um, yeah, so, like that's where I look back on myself and be like, well, would I have known the difference? And the answer is no. Yeah. So how can I, and, what they're trying to do um, stems from trying to be helpful. Absolutely. They're not right. Yeah. So how do you like, how do you re how do you strengthen that in them, but get them to realize that not everybody needs help. And the thing is um, they just have to ask, you know, it's with mm-hmm. anything. Can I get that for you? Would you like some help for that? I guess the problem is when somebody just comes and grabs your wheelchair is like, here, I'll help you across the street. And you're like, what are you doing, man? Get your hands off me. Oh yeah. That happens to me too. That is really upset. That's, that is like assault. Like someone just like the the analogy I used, is like a stranger walking up behind you and just grabbing you around the waist, picking you up and like carrying you with them. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. As long as they're asking, I mean, I I like to err on that side and just give them that grace in that space. Yeah. I, I think that's, that sounds very wise. <laughs> you know, I'm in yeah. my, I'm still in my first year of um, using a chair. So I'm still like kind of uh, dealing with some 
frustrations with the way that people are treating me differently because it really annoys me. What What is your preferred way to be approached? Like, for example, w- if someone doesn't know if I need help or not, like this is what I said on TikTok. Is like, I prefer someone to just say hello, you know, just say, hi, how are you? Just as if I was a, you know, someone passing them on the street and they're a friendly person. Because if I need help, they're opening a, um, a pathway for me to ask for help. And if I don't need help, they're not, um, imply they're not implying anything about what I can and can't do. So that's like what I offered is my recommendations. Just say hi. Um, but you know, some people agreed with me. Some people didn't. And I'm just curious to hear your thoughts about how you would like to be approached if by an able-bodied person who thinks that you might need help, but isn't sure. Um, you mean like if I'm stopped, uh, looking at my phone on the street or like, how do, how do you, uh, yeah. Like if you're just like out, in a restaurant or what, like if you're out at the grocery store, you know, people stop me and ask me if, if they, if I need them to grab something for me and it can be a little overwhelming when I'm just trying to shop, you know, and I'm just there doing a normal thing. But I, I like, like you say, like it's coming from a good place. Like they want to do something nice. Um, and I'm over here feeling like I'd rather ask for help when I need it and not be offered all the time. I'm just curious to hear your your thoughts on that. I'm going to have to take you out with me a few times and get <laughs> you to hang out. And <laughs> no, I think, uh, I mean, I like it. I don't, I don't, I don't mind. Like people are just trying to, they're just trying to be helpful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just, they're just trying to be nice and they just don't know how to go about it. Uh, you know, I, I like when people ask, is there some way I can, would you like some assistance? Is there any way I can help? Is there any way I can help you? That's mm-hmm. like, uh, and I'm, I'm no, thank you, but thank you for asking. Cause yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to shut him down for the next guy. Yeah. Well, maybe the next guy might be you and I should shut him down. I, I don't know. Like, well, but well, I, you're, I think, uh, you're changing my mind. You, you are because the, the way you're talking about this, it's like, it's not just about me. It's about the next guy too. And that's a really, really good point. And, Leading with kindness and understanding, there's n- that's always right, you know? Lead- I'm, I'm like leading with my annoyance, and I feel like you're kind of showing me that maybe that's more about me than it is about the other person. So, yeah, yeah no, you're, you're, you're definitely... Be- believe me, I have that thing that wants to come out and be like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. And it's a, a muscle that I've trained to 100% make sure that I reinforce no but thank you for asking, Yeah, you know, so that, so that the next time they see that they're not like, Meh. I asked a, a wheelchair person. They're always angry and they're always, cause mm. I get that a lot. I've, I find that people associate us to always being angry, but it's not angry. It's we're trying to advocate for ourselves and we get to a certain point where we feel like people are not listening yeah. and then it turns into anger. And then it's difficult to shut that valve off. Yeah. Yeah, that's I. Yeah, you're really making me think about that in a different way. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, yeah. Are you going to market a voice-activated door opening system? Because I think you should. <laughs> are you going to add on? Are you making more products? Yeah, uh, that's already. I've already partnered with uh, a door manufacturer, and uh, so now every single mechanical door opener that they sell will be smart embedded with my Wi-Fi. Right uh, voice activator in there and they have uh, dealers and installers up and down the east coast and uh, through most of uh central uh u.s and uh, they even have some dealers out, out west in the west coast so 
you can go uh, on my website and uh, and find that stuff. Awesome. So when you think back on your life before your injury and your life now, it sounds like you've you've gained so much. You've like recognized your own gratitude for things and you're leading with that. Um, do you feel like a happier person now than you were before? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more content, I would mm. say. And, um, when I first got injured, I sat down with my surgeon and he was like, today, Chris, we're talking about survival. Uh, and, and one year and another year, we're going to be talking uh, about rehab. Uh, and second year, we're going to be talking about reintegration into community. And third year, we're going to be talking about quality of life. And I remember thinking, what what quality of life could there possibly be? Like, what are you talking about? And uh, now five years, six years out, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I know where he's coming from. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can see that, right? Things get better. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to try. And uh, when I see newly injured people, that, that's, I, I hope, because people in wheelchairs, using wheelchairs were there for me in the beginning. And, and now I want to return that and be there for those people. Yeah. It, it gets easier. It gets better. Yeah. How, how do you feel about your wheelchair? I mean, I love my wheelchair. To me, it, it like represents my, my freedom. It allows me to do things that I haven't been able to do for five years. And yeah. it's, you know, when I think about it, it's just all positive thoughts, which still surprises me. Um, but I'm curious yeah. how you feel about yours. Um, so I started off in a manual chair and, uh, I like my manual chair because I think when I'm out in public, I feel that people see me first and my chair second, mm. but my power, my manual chair limits my independence and where I can go. Mm. And then when I transfer into my power chair with my power chair, I feel that people see me as being sick or they see the chair first, but the power chair allows me to independently go anywhere I want to go. Yeah. I can go to the mall. I can go to the movies. I can go to like, provided there's no steps. So it's a, uh, it's a tool. And uh, I still, my mind plays games on me being like, nobody cares. They care about you. And uh, hey, all these people, they're only looking at you because you're in a chair and you're using a chair. So I still, I still have those demons in, in my head that I try to suppress and, and, uh, but yeah, it's a tool. I'm grateful for it. It allows me to go to do the things that I need to do by myself. Yeah, totally. You've, your perspective is fantastic. I mean, I'm learning a lot and I'm going to apply some of what you've talked about to my own perspective moving forward. And that's part of what you're talking about with, you know, like it, it, after something traumatic, it does take time. You have to a lot to learn and you can give back to the people who are coming after you. Um, the, you know, people going through something now because you've gained all this hard earned perspective and yeah, I mean, you've given me a lot of food for thought and I really, really appreciate it. You know, I, yeah, th this one's going to sit with me for sure. I really appreciate it. Um, my last question for you, 
um, you've already you know touched on this quite a bit, but what would you tell someone who just went through a spinal cord injury and is just waking up from surgery and doesn't feel so great about the future? Um, what would you tell that person? Yeah, that that's such a tough question because I'm trying to remember myself in that position and uh, I didn't want to I don't want to hear anything from anybody and I just wanted mm -hmm. space to be left alone mm -hmm. but um, I guess I would tell that person that I would promise them that things will get better and uh, you just have to let them hmm. you know and, and things things will get better things will get easier and uh and you might be more content who knows i never thought in a million years that i'd be sitting with the um attorney general of health uh the minister of health for canada but here one and a half years out from my injury here's this kid from like small north york city in toronto talking with the minister of health and he's asking me like how did i get this opportunity he's asking me you know what do you think we should be doing in healthcare and asking me questions? And I'm like, how did this kid from <laughs> over here get to talking to this guy? How did I get there? So your life can bring in a whole lot of, you just have to be open to it, a whole lot of new opportunities and positive things. Yeah, I love that. And you're so right that um, positive things can come to you, but you can be the thing that prevents them from happening. You can block those things. You have to be yeah. open and willing to accept the positive things. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, believe me, I spent a lot of time being mad, mm -hmm. a lot of time being angry, arguing with family, crying. And that's part of the process. And that could take four months. That could take a year. But there has to be a moment where you're like, okay, now what? Yeah. Like we've done that. What are we going to do now? We can't. And you need to give people the space to be in that. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then there, there's going to be a, a point in your head where you're like, okay, something's got to give. And that's when you make that change. Yeah. Amazing. And uh, for me, and I'll wrap this up, sorry to babble, but I just started doing little things, putting in my schedule, call my aunt, call my cousin, volunteer, at the hospital, volunteer for municipal transit, volunteer here, and just do things that were free. And then from there, I was like, maybe I better open a company just in case somebody wants to pay me to speak one day. <laughs> and maybe I better open a company in case somebody wants me to give them accessibility. Oh, maybe I better create a product. And then all of a sudden, you've got a product, you're speaking, there's a company, and things are happening just from scheduling phone calls, just from volunteering just from and start to build things back into your life yeah i love it man chris this has been awesome you did a really fantastic job today your story is is fascinating and your perspective is so valuable i really appreciate it and i'm a happy handicap owner <laughs> <laughs> i like when you did your video whoever was filming yeah you're like it's really handy and then you hear like <laughs> like yeah, a little giggle that was not planned <laughs> <laughs> so yeah well tell us again um you know plug your social media plug your website tell people where to go if they want to pick up a handicap 
yeah, so social media is pretty much uh, across the board uh, from Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok, uh, Instagram, Facebook. It's all Handy Cup. Handy with an I. Not yeah. With, yeah. And uh, you can go to handycup.com and uh, punch in Major Pain, all capital, Major Pain 15 for 15% off and free delivery in, across the US and Canada. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll put a link in the description of the podcast. Um, and then I'll tag you on Instagram and TikTok when I post up this show. Um, yeah, let's stay in touch. I'm so glad we connected. This was super fun, Chris. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you so much for inviting me and having me and giving me the opportunity to speak. Absolutely. Be well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, and Brooke Walters Schmidt, and our $25 per month producers Steve Cavanaugh and Chris Fowler. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition and gifts at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.